Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning, friends. This morning's scripture reading is from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, we keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Recently, Mike asked me to share about my experience with care committees. For those of you who don't know, a care committee is a small group of three to five people who come together to support a person in our community in a more intimate way than is possible through our typical Sunday gatherings alone. We do this by listening and helping an individual to process and discern their own path with thoughtfulness, love, and care. A committee can be requested for any number of reasons. A new job, an illness, loss of a loved one, changes in relationship status or living conditions, need for parenting support, mental health, you name it. More specifically, name it to Mike if you want help forming your own care group. Today, I want to share a little, a little more about my own vulnerability as I began a journey toward health and healing. I am not here to convince you of anything. I'm simply sharing my story. In the words of Parker J. Palmer, the human soul doesn't want to be advised or fixed or saved. It simply wants to be witnessed, to be seen, heard, and companioned exactly as it is. When we make that kind of deep bow to the soul of a suffering person, our, res our respect reinforces the soul's healing resources, the only resources that can help the sufferer make it through. I have found this to be deeply true in my experience with care committees. Over the last three to four years, I've had my very own small army of care warriors, each forming a group of three to five witnesses who journeyed with me into the abyss of my deepest pain via monthly gatherings lasting anywhere from three months to a year in duration. When I started my first committee, I was a hot mess. 
As I sat in the godly playroom with five people who I was just starting to know, I very quickly grew overwhelmed with love and my tears rained down silently before Mike could even finish a short prayer. I'm going to share a little about each of my very first ever warriors because I firmly believe that this is one way that we can build community. By giving credit where credit is due and naming the blessings that we each become to each other over time through ordinary interactions. I have asked each person who I will name today for their permission, and I am using meaningless letters to name those who have not given me that permission. These are a few of the simple yet profound ways that my warriors supported me in my journey to be exactly where I was each moment along the way so that I could grow beyond my wildest expectations and learn to thrive. A listened deeply, sharing their love and wisdom repeatedly in, ev in person and digitally via hugs, coffee, and email, sometimes just to share that I had been in their thoughts that day. Before I formed my committee, Elliot had already sent a message offering to send frequent compliments whenever I needed them. Her kind, gentle spirit has consistently brought me closer to myself, to God, and to others. B, through their calm, positive presence, taught me a little bit more about how to exist in my own skin. Sally cared for me so deeply that she took the time to check in and schedule walks on a regular basis throughout our year together and often sought to advocate on my behalf, whether I wanted it or not. And in the end, she showed me another side of Jesus and she taught me some valuable life lessons about vulnerability, assertiveness, integrity, and the art of asking for what I need openly and honestly, even in the face of fear. And the relationship that I built with her during that time radically changed a future experience of conflict and perceived rejection, allowing me to lean in and stay at West Hills rather than ripping my heart out and running. And of course, I can't forget Mike, who remained on my care team longer than anyone else. Three years with a couple short breaks interspersed along the way. And in doing so, he provided an anchor of consistent positivity and love, even in the midst of his own grief and darkness. Through his steady, calm, curious presence, he paved the way for me to reshape my entire life. When I first started my committee, I did not know why I was there. I could not articulate precisely what I needed or why I had asked these people to so intimately join my inner circle. I just knew that I was tired of everything. My whole world always spinning so fast with hardly a chance to breathe. I knew that I needed care. It was as if I was following a tiny ray of light into the darkness that was my soul. I knew that I couldn't do it alone. I needed community, and I needed love. And the thing that I kept repeating in my monthly care meetings was how I longed to be present, to stop missing important moments by being stuck in the future or the past. 
As time marched on, I shared my story in bits and pieces. I cried, and I whispered, and I sobbed, and sometimes I sat in silence, unable to speak for brief periods. I felt, <coughs> I felt loved, and I felt lost, and I confronted my fears, fears of not being enough, fears that if anyone really, truly saw me, they would be disgusted and run in horror. And I did these things alone in my own private spaces over time. But more importantly, I did these things in community with others who could speak my strengths, flip my fears up on their heads, call BS on my self-deprecating lies, create boundaries for me to challenge and embrace, and ask deeply loving, caring questions that would allow me to stay focused on my own inner light long enough to make my way through, one, through and out one lot, long dark tunnel after another. A, B, Elliot, Sally, and Mike weren't the only ones. In future years, C, Craig, Mary Kay, Nicole, Sari, and Alice would join the ranks in multiple groups spread across time. When I first asked for a care committee, I didn't know who I was. I did not know that I was important or valued or worthy of love. I did not know that I was strong and a smart and a beacon of light. I only knew that I was broken and I wanted so desperately to be whole, but I couldn't get there on my own. And so I began to form my small army of comrades and faithful, faithful Quaker soldiers, said ironically, of course, who would walk with me through my dark no matter what form it embraced. And this is what they did. They walked with me as I explored family dynamics and learned how to set boundaries, both with and for family, as well as myself. They walked with me as I pursued improved health for my children and explored my own mental health nightmares. They were there when I was in a car accident that fractured my nose and injured my lower back. When my husband Ryan almost left West Hills for good, they were there and they sustained me. And they were the reason why I stayed because they had laid the building blocks of my community and I couldn't leave. They were there when I spent a year traveling to a remote and beautiful, moose-filled, magical place that soothed my soul, and they were there the next year when I traveled to another, less magical town with a dark culture that left me overwhelmed with doubts of whether or not I could stay the full year to support the family, students, and coworkers I worked with who desperately needed the kind of love that I had been receiving and was now equipped to share. I would like to say that the credit all goes to them, but then I'd be forgetting an important lesson that they taught me. I was the one at the center, listening to my inner guide, following the light and running the show. I was the one who dared to be brave, taking one small step at a time towards authentic community and love. 
I was the one who chose to face my fears of rejection and pain by staring others in the face and telling them my truth when it would have been easier to stay silent and walk away. I kept going to meet these beautiful warriors time after time, trusting that the way forward would open up even when I had no clear idea what I needed or wanted from my troops. And eventually, my persistence won out. In April, I held my very last meeting, and it wasn't until that gathering that I finally understood why I had needed a care committee in the first place. This year, at our annual West Hills All Church Retreat, I came out during open worship as bi, gay, and poly. If you don't know what this means, please ask. I'd love to chat. For now, I will simply share that at its core, it is about my process of overturning the power of patriarchy that has left me feeling powerless and trapped throughout most of my life. And instead, pursuing a deep, honest, pursuing deep, honest, open relationships that allow me to know myself and to know others in ways that I would never have allowed before. And this process has been a constant breath of fresh air in the midst of consistent hard work, deep reflection, and profoundly love-filled community building, starting in my very own home. As I worked to prepare this message, someone asked me to consider whether it was necessary for me to share this again in the context of this message. They wanted to know if this level of intimate sharing was important solely for my own benefit versus that of the community as a whole. And I have to say a resounding yes. Yes, because for me, it is about connection. And yes, because this, this right here, this is spirituality. This is how we build community. This is the way forward this process of each and every one of us coming together with our complete, most authentic selves, perhaps in a small group at first, shyly, bearing our soul until our soul is no longer shy. This process in which I have taken the time behind closed doors to communicate with others and to reflect deeply before speaking my truth, truly seeking out my own awareness or my own answers about what I would share and why. And at the end of that process, standing here, expecting and trusting each and every one of you also to show up with your whole selves exactly as you are, exactly where you are, to listen to my story and sit with my words to sit with yourself and whatever this brings up for you and listen to your own guide. Us, sitting in this room, together, with similarities and with difference. And still recognizing the value and the healing restorative power of these moments when we come together and actually see each other. To me, this is spirituality at its best. I don't, won't, always get it right. 
and neither will you. But we are still here, holding each other. together. So thank you to the person who asked that question. The week before my final care meeting, meeting, I was in another car accident, hit by a drunk driver who eventually fled the scene. As I processed both of these major life events, coming out and getting pummeled by an intoxicated driver, I realized how strong and resilient and kind and compassionate and worthy of love I am. And I realized that I could not, would not have dared to come out openly at retreat had I not already been doing the work of connecting with others by vulnerably sharing my truest self. And I observed myself continuing to make connections and communicate with others, reaching out to see and share our deepest selves in new, wondrous, and scary ways trusting myself to be who I was and trusting others to see my goodness and light while also hoping they too might dare to join me on the vulnerability train. It's not always easy. There is still pain and fear and uncertainty and hardship. But I am learning how to embrace this journey with all of its tumultuous highs and lows. I am learning to exist, to be, to ask for what I need. I am learning how to take up space. And throughout this journey, one truth rises deeply within. <clears throat> I cannot get to the place I want to go until I am able to exist in this very moment exactly where I am and exactly as I am. This is at the crux of my spirituality. <clears throat> and I cannot expect anyone else to join me on this journey without first extending this same grace to them along the way. Only then will we be able to move forward, both individually and together, one step at a time, away from the stagnation of being stuck in our own individual and communal repetitive cycles of grief, pain, heartache, and fear. So here I am in this moment asking you to contemplate the following queries. Where are you in your process? What might you need in order to move forward and who might be waiting on the other side of your request to step in and help in ways that you are unable to do for yourself? What does spirituality mean to you? In what ways have you experienced God's abundant life and love 
through unconventional spiritual connections. <laughs>